it seems uh, counterintuitive, but all I can tell you is do that future pacing. Oh, if I fail this bunch of times really fast, I'm going to find out what works and I'm going to get to the money faster. That's future pacing, seeing what could be if you went through these steps. Welcome to Reinventing Perspectives. Today we have an amazing guest. We are so honored to have you here, Tom. Tom, please tell the audience, who are you and what's your mission? My name is Tom Antion and I have never had a job. So I've always had my own business since forever, pretty much before most of the people listening were born or <laughs> in diapers. Actually, 48 years in formal business, and even since I was 10 years old, doing little kid side hustles. And so my podcast is called Screw the Commute, because you can live two or three extra lives if you're not in traffic making somebody else rich all the time. So my resume kind of looks ridiculous because people are looking at it like, how can somebody do so much stuff? Well, if you're not in traffic making somebody else rich, you can live a couple lives. I love that. You know, when I saw that you've never worked for anyone before, I said, now how did that happen? Was this like a conscious thing or were you always just against working for people? How did well, that happen? My uh, dad came from Syria on a cattle boat as a young boy in the early 1900s. He put the first electric light bulb in Carnegie, Pennsylvania, which is outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, at 10 years old. By 13, he had his own electrical contracting firm. By the time he had me, all I saw was entrepreneurship. I'm the baby of six boys, just was surrounded by entrepreneurship. So it was just a natural thing. Plus, I'm a real go-getter and doer. And many corporate situations and big companies, they have to take two-week meetings to decide to go to the bathroom. Too slow for me. It was just a natural thing for me to be an entrepreneur. And I couldn't stand being told what to do by somebody that never did anything in their life. And now I'm totally unemployable. Who would have a guy like me? I'm sure they'd love to have a guy like you, Tom, but it's <laughs> great that you've paved your own way. I like that you say you're a go-getter and you're a real doer. You know, that's a challenge that a lot of early entrepreneurs have, especially having work jobs, mm -hmm. to kind of switch that mindset to now being someone who can go, go, go and do. And I know you mentor a lot of entrepreneurs. What would you say is really the key to that switch in mindset that people need? Just this week, I got a new student that was working a job and she kept wanting to innovate and do things and she could see things that were wrong and wanted to fix them and was really a great person to have as an employee. All they did was push her down, push her down. No, you can't do that. It's against the rules. So she quit and came into my program and she said, I'm the happiest I've ever been in my whole life because there's nothing stopping me now. Nothing. If people could try to visualize that in copywriting for advertising purposes, we call this future pacing. Look at what could be in your life if you took the steps now. But if you don't take the steps, that could be is just a dream. But if you take the steps, there's nothing stopping you from being what you want to be into the future. Across the world now, this great resignation, people are moving out of jobs for the reasons that you say. I think just being closed indoors and away from the routine of life for a little while has made people realize, why are we doing this? Yeah, but I've been preaching for, oh, geez, 28 years since I've been online. That First of all, I've always worked out of my home. I even had a nightclub. It was the second biggest nightclub in one of the big states here in the United States. And I lived above it. So technically, I had a nightclub in my basement. <laughs> I've always uh, worked out of my home. But now people after the pandemic say, oh, you can work from home. I didn't know that. It's just a beautiful thing. I mean, you can get your laundry done. 
you can play with your pets. You can raise your kids. There's so many great things about it. Tom, I know your story because I've researched it, but for people who don't know it, take us back to how all this started. So basically, I went to college, a major college, uh, what we call a top 20 school on a football scholarship. I was all-state football in high school, and I was a top wrestler. I've never watched a football game since I left that college because I was surrounded by people that didn't care about academics. They would put anybody in there that could run fast. It was very political. So I hated it, but I took advantage of it and got my scholarship to college. So on the side, I ended up before I graduated, I uh, owned five apartment buildings and a hotel. This is one of the lessons I like to send to people is persistence. And the other is give before you get. You know, I know this is a Christian-based show. Giving is really powerful, but it comes back to you. I mean, it's over and over again. You know, examples of coming back to you. So I was renting off of this guy in a college town. And every time he would come over to work on our house, I would say, hey, Frank, let me help you with that. But you teach me what you're doing. So I would learn how to put gutters on and fix screens and all the stuff that, you know, he was doing. And so at the end of the semester, he came over and he said, hey, Tom, I want to talk to you. And I thought, uh-oh, what did I do? <laughs> what did I do wrong? He says, I've been renting apartments and houses to students in this town for 25 years. He says, not once, ever, ever, has one of the kids offered to help me do anything, let alone want to learn something about it. So he said, you're the only one, 25 years. So he says, I own a hotel about 20 minutes from here, and I want to retire and go to Florida. He says, if you can come up with the first mortgage, I'll hold back the second mortgage, which means it's no money down. You know, I didn't have to come up with any money. And I'll teach you how to run it, and you can pay us off through the fees that come in. And I'm like, oh, man, that's the first thing. Give before you get. So I got this opportunity because I was giving, giving, helping, 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 and wanting to learn. The second part of this is persistence. I had to go to 50. Five zero lending institutions to get the first mortgage. They kept shooing me away like I'm a little punk kid. Don't know what you're doing. You're crazy. We're not going to let you buy a hotel. So it took me 50 different lending institutions all over the place. And finally, one of them said yes. And then he sold me the building. I made $65,000 a year. This was in the 1970s. All right. Just from that building while I was still in college. And I only went down once a week, pick up the checks and make minor repairs that I learned how to do because he taught me how to do it. And then I sold the building to the city for hundreds of thousands of dollars. So I made about a half a million dollars on that one transaction that would have never happened had I not given before I got and been persistent to get the first mortgage. So there's two lessons that are very powerful. Those are super powerful lessons. What made you that way, Tom? Because I think, like he said, of all the students, nobody offered to help. Oh, there's no question about it. In fact, you're not talking to Tom Antion right now. You're talking to Sam Antion, my dad, who ingrained in me things about give before you get, continuous learning. He only went to the second grade, okay? But he was the smartest guy I ever knew. I don't know if you're old enough, you're probably not, but there was a thing called the encyclopedia, which was the 26 books, A, B, C, the whole thing, and then supplements. I remember when he retired, after only going to the second grade, he sat down and read the entire World Book Encyclopedia. So it was continuous learning, which led to a Japanese principle called Kaizen, which is continuous improvement. So I am constantly learning how to do stuff. I don't read fiction, but I've read hundreds of 
how-to book and probably thousands and thousands of YouTube videos that teach you how to do something. I mean, I'm pretty much an internet nerd kind of guy, all right? But I know how to cut trees down without killing myself. I know how to pressure wash. I have a self-defense website. I have protection dogs. I got all these things that I learned how to do. Some of the people nowadays pretty much can't do anything. There was a news report up here that millennial women can't find people to marry because none of the guys can do anything. They can go shop for fabric with you or something, but they don't want somebody that can't do anything, can't change a tire. Another lesson there is it doesn't take much in today's atmosphere to stand out from the crowd. You know, you just do a little bit more than the, all the rest of the people and the older people like me that can make breaks for you, like Mr. Biafora did. Frank made a break for me a long time ago. They aren't impressed by entitlement. They aren't impressed. The message to the younger generation, if you want big breaks, you don't have to do a whole lot to stand out from the crowd. I know that the internet played a big role in your career and being who you are today. To someone who is thinking, well, the internet, e-commerce has kind of sailed away or, you know, all the people have made a lot of money. Can I get in now? Well, I would laugh at them, first of all. <laughs> I'd say they're clueless. Here's the thing. It's what I call my pizza shop theory. There's a big demand for pizza in the world. If you do a good job making pizza and run your business well, you'll get your fair share of the business. If there wasn't any demand for pizza, it doesn't matter how great a job you do at making pizza, all right? So there's demand for everything, and there's even more demand since the, you know, you mentioned the pandemic because people are home. They're ordering like crazy. Amazon is getting richer and richer and richer and richer. People developed the habit over the past several years that increased their online sales exponentially. So there's plenty of room in there. But I wouldn't try to sell commodities, trying to sell stuff that everybody else is selling. Because it's too easy to go to Amazon, who you trust, and it's going to be at your door in five minutes from now, as soon as you order it. So specialty products are a lot safer to go into. And digital is even safer because it's 97% profit. You have to really screw up bad to not be able to make money at 97% gross profit as an entrepreneur. Most people, I mean, selling computers are losing money every sale. You know, I mean, it's just you have this massive gap that you can be profitable. So they just don't know what they're doing. And I do admit that there's a lot of scammers out there. There's people that will tell you anything and take your money. And so it gives the whole thing a bad reputation. But if you learn how to do things correctly, and you're diligent, and you're persistent and consistent, there's no ceiling to this. You can make as much money as you want. If there is demand for something, then that's the most important thing. Yeah, and the demand keeps increasing. There's more room for people to jump in, and there's plenty of people dropping out because they don't know what they're doing. And that's the whole thing. Knowledge is the power. For instance, I teach people how to create world-class websites. World-class, $150. So if they went anywhere, to get a quote, that same site would cost them 3000 5000 US dollars or more. Well, I always say you spend $5,000 on a $150 website, you have to earn or net $5,000 just to get back to being broke. <laughs> so no, but if you spent $150, you just made $4,700, $4,800. The knowledge is what allows you to do things inexpensively. So the more you can learn, the more successful you'll be faster. What's your approach to 
passive income? Well, you have to learn. It's going to get harder in the short run because you're going to, to go to your regular job, but you're going to have to do this other stuff on the side. You're going to have to give up some things in the short run to get this great benefit in the long run. So that's the first thing. Second thing is you concentrate on digital products because of the 97% profit. You know, there's a little credit card fees and PayPal fees or whatever, the processing part of it, but the digital product is just selling electrons. You know? So you've got online courses, you've got eBooks, you have the Amazon Kindle eBook, you've got all kinds of things that are high profit. Next thing is that you have to do, and this is the number one mistake people make, number one of all, and that's why it's the first episode of my podcast years ago. They must learn keyword research. They must find the words that people are actually using to find their products and services. The payback, Priscilla, on this work is enormous because you use these words everywhere. You use them in YouTube videos, you use them in Facebook postings and Instagram and ads and Pinterest and all these places. It's all based on words. Until they start injecting chips into your head, everything is based on words. So I highly suggest people listen to episode one of my podcast, screwthecommute.com slash and then the number one. But then I updated it. Episode 130 is about voice search. See, people don't search by talking into their cell phones and tablets like they do. They type. So you have to have that knowledge and then once you get all these keywords, it's a pain in the neck to get them all. You'll never get all of them. But then sometimes you could use those the rest of your career because now you have the basis of building something that people are looking for. Most people do it backwards. They build all this stuff and get this crazy stuff going, and then they hear crickets chirping because nobody's finding them because they haven't used these words strategically to be found. Google uses them, everybody uses them. So uh, that's the number one thing. Before they go spending money and building things, they must find, is there a market for their product or service? And when you do this keyword research, it tells you how many people are searching for stuff and how many times per month they're searching for it. So if your idea nobody wants, it's a hobby because nobody's going to find you and pay money. So the first thing is keyword research and explore the ideas before you waste a nickel doing anything else. Tom, they call you the king of kitchen. <laughs> when I saw that, I, I laughed a little bit. I said, I love this. I got to talk to Tom. <laughs> how that came about. I have my email set to go ka-ching, like the cash register sound when an order comes in. And we have these retreats here at the retreat center in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And the thing was going off all day long in front of these students. And one lady said, man, you're the king of ka-ching. And it caught on and, and somebody drew me a caricature with me with a robe and a hat, you know, like a king, the king of ka-ching because it goes off whenever an order comes. <laughs> so that's how it came about. Oh, I love that. What would you say has been sort of like keys to your success? The persistence and consistence are one of the main things. And that's the hardest things for a lot of people. You know, the fast-paced society, and I grew up, it was a lot slower. Is the way it is. You didn't have social media. You didn't have anything. You didn't have internet. So you had to climb and scratch to get things done. But now young people are surrounded with all this million things you can do in the course of a day just on your cell phones. So it's a little bit more difficult. but you got to focus on something and get it done right and then move to the next thing. So many people see 12 things and nothing gets done right because they're all over the place. The word focus is really important. The other thing is, is you have to be willing to experiment and fail. We want you to fail fast because 
it's so great nowadays because I was around before the internet was around marketing stuff. And you would do what's called split testing. So maybe you had two different postcards and you'd mail them out and they were keyed. So if an order came in months later, you knew from which postcard it came from. Okay? Because maybe one had a certain headline and the other had a different headline. And that took months to do. So nowadays, that same test can be done in a matter of hours. You're going to find out which postcard, or it wouldn't be a postcard, that would probably be an email, which email got the most sales, and you'll know within a matter of hours. And then you stop the one that didn't, and you try a different one and test it against the first one, and you go back and forth. And this is how people get rich, because the guy that taught me this, one of his sales letters, from his initial sales letter, so when he got done testing all these things, sold 19 times as much as the first one. And so would you rather sell 19 times as much or just be happy with the first one? A lot of times the first one lost money because it cost too much to promote it. But by checking all these things and putting it in front of people and testing which headline works, which guarantee, which price point works, then you can maximize your sales process. And then sometimes those things go on for years. I had one go on for nine, 10 years after we did all that, and it sold four times as much as the original. So instead of bringing in $7,000 a month, it was bringing in almost $30,000 a month for nine years. Which would you rather have? <laughs> you, know, so you have to learn these kinds of things. None of them are hard if somebody teaches. Tom, it's so difficult when you're starting out to accept that you fail at something, especially if you're coming from a corporate environment where that's kind of not acceptable. Right, right. Or you had parents that didn't encourage you through failures when you were young. To understand that now you have to sort of be trying to fail as fast as you can, as often as you can. <laughs> I know, I know. It seems uh, counterintuitive. But all I can tell you is do that future pacing oh, if I fail this bunch of times really fast, I'm going to find out what works and I'm going to get to the money faster and then I'm going to tell the boss, take the job and shove it. <laughs> so that's future pacing, seeing what could be if you went through these steps. How quick should you move on from something, like when you're testing things? Yeah, there's numbers that go along with that. So the Direct Marketing Association in the United States, it's international because everybody in the world has done direct marketing, came out with some guidelines that you want to do something long enough to get 30 responses. Let's say you were selling a new ebook. You wrote a sales letter for it, and you sent the sales letter out to people. You want to count how many people saw the sales letter to get 30 sales. So let's say, you keep numbers around, let's say it was 100. People saw the sales letter and you got 30 sales. That's a 30% conversion rate, it's called. Now, that's really crazy high, but all right, but let's just say for, for numbers, 30% conversion rate. Once you get to that point, there's enough numbers there that the Direct Marketing Association says you could predict that conversion rate into the future with 85% accuracy. So if you just quit then and just kept sending the same sales letter out, you'd get 30 sales for every 100 people that looked at it. Okay, that's the idea. If you want to increase that or improve that, then once you got to that point, you got your 30% conversion rate, then you would start testing some different sales letter and see maybe you can get 32 sales for every 100. And then when you get 32 sales, then maybe it only took 90 people to get the 32 sales. So you just keep going back and forth like that. But you got to have enough numbers that it's significant mathematically. You'd send out 10 letters and get one sale. 
eh, it's not enough people involved to really be accurate. So that's kind of the rough way to do it. The documentary, The American Entrepreneur, what's the premise? I got into the professional speaking industry years ago, in the early 90s. And the lady that's the grandmother of professional speaking, her name was Dottie Walton. She called me her right coast son. I lived on the East Coast USA. She's in California. And I used to help her. You know, this is a recurring theme with me. This is long past the hotel. This lady's teaching me the speaking industry. So I just went and volunteered to run her events for her for free to keep learning. And so she kind of took me under her wing. And then she eventually passed away. And I was so revered by her and her family that they asked me to speak at her memorial in California. So I flew out there, spoke at her memorial. And in the crowd was the documentary producer with Hollywood. You know, we're out there. I met her for maybe two, three minutes. Hello, how are you? And she had seen me speak. And then unbeknownst to me, she started following my career. And a couple of years later, she approached me and she's done 38 documentaries of Olympic athletes and all kinds of people. And she said, I'd like to do a documentary about you because of your entrepreneurial spirit and your dad coming in from Syria and being an entrepreneur. And, and I'm thinking to myself, I thought you had to be dead to get a documentary. <laughs> I hope that's not any kind of omen, you know, for, for me. And she said, uh, she's calling it the American Entrepreneur and she wants to feature the story of my dad coming in as an immigrant and then making me into an entrepreneur, and I've helped thousands of entrepreneurs. So that's the premise of it. It's supposed to premiere this fall. It's out of my hands. You know, they're dealing with Netflix and all the Hollywood stuff that goes on. But I'm just hoping I'm not dead before it comes. Oh, I look forward to that one. And I'm going to tell everyone I know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, Tom, what is the number one book that you would recommend to a new entrepreneur? Oh, there's no question about that. It's a book that most marketers at my level have read six, seven times. It's called Influence, The Psychology of Persuasion by Robert Cialdini. And that's C-I-A-L-D-I-N-I. -I. It's basically a copywriting book, but it shows all these mental techniques that make people want to buy your stuff now it could be used for bad purposes too the same techniques right but i don't use it for bad purposes but but if you believe in your product it's your obligation to get it so somebody doesn't buy an inferior product and get ripped off so uh, it's uh, very very powerful like i said most people at my level have read it five six seven times you know, so so powerful i'll go to our last question which is what has faith meant to you on your journey, Tom? It's interesting when people ask me what religion I am. First of all, I come from a comic background. I was a professional comedy writer for six years. I like to confuse people. So they say, what religion are you? And I say Poseidon. And they're like, heck, I've never heard of Poseidon. What is that? Is some kind of cult? Or what is that? <laughs> I said, no. There was a movie called The Poseidon Adventure. The original one was Gene Hackman and Shelley Winters, I think is her name was. And uh, Gene was a preacher and he was given a sermon i'm a very young kid when i'm watching this but he's given a, a sermon on the deck of the ship and he said something that totally said to me seemed like the most logical positive thing ever on earth and he said you don't have to be religious he said you just take the little piece of god in you and do good for people and i'm thinking man you can't go too far wrong doing that <laughs> you know so that's the the way I've lived my life. That's what it means to me is doing good for people. And uh, and it came from that one. I mean, I always did that. I always rescued animals and, you know, help people every chance I got. But that 
one moment when he articulated that is what stuck with me all these years. Tom, please tell us if somebody wanted to be a student, how they would do that. Okay. Well, the first thing I want them to get this book that I wrote, I've written 25 books and this one's called How to Automate Your Business. And uh, we sell it for 27 US dollars, but I give it away to people on these interviews because it'll just save you hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours. We actually estimated just one of the tips in the book has saved me seven and a half million keystrokes, million keystrokes, saved me carpal tunnel syndrome and everything else. But I don't want people fighting with their computer and their cell phones. I want them to be spending extra time with prospects and customers in developing products and services. That's where the money is. So this book shows all the automation techniques I use that are most are free or super cheap that are right on your computer that no people don't know about. And if they would just take a couple days and implement some of them, they will be thanking you and me and saving enormous amounts of trouble and hundreds of hours into the future. So they can get that at screwthecommute.com slash automate free. Screwthecommute.com slash automate free. So I want them to have that. The second thing is I have the longest running, most successful, most unique internet and digital mentor program ever. I don't feel bad saying that because I've challenged other marketers to put their program up line for line against mine and nobody will do it because I'm a crazy fanatic. I mean, you know, we have Thanksgiving here in the USA, big holiday, right? I forgot that it was Thanksgiving and I threw a big teleclass and <laughs> made $4,000 on Thanksgiving, right? My students know that weekends, holidays, evenings, I'm going to be there to help. I hit multimillionaire status 22 years ago. I kind of quit this years ago but i'm just a fanatic crazy about helping people it's a year-long program it has an immersion visit to this great internet marketing retreat center it's the biggest state that i have in virginia and we have our own tv studios so we shoot videos for you it's a year worth of training remotely which is other than the immersion weekend everything is remote you'll learn something if you deal with me and you have one-on-one -on -one. we don't lump you in with any groups because I tried that one time, but I hated it because for me to talk to somebody advanced, the beginners are lost. And if I'm talking to the beginners, the advanced people are like, we're bored. What, what are we doing? It's all one-on-one -on -one with me and my entire staff. And boy, we, they go. And the other unique feature that really made a lot of the gurus mad, by the way, is that they were charging 50 or $100,000 up front to get into their programs. And I knew a lot of these people, they'd be hiding out on the Gold Coast and uh, us US people would never find them if we gave them that money up front, <laughs> right? So, because uh, they're ripoffs, a lot of them. So I charged an entry fee and then I tied my success to your success. So for me to get my 50,000, you have to net 200,000, net. And so people love this and like 1,700 plus students later over 20, five years now or so it's still going strong so so got all kinds of unique features and i don't get my big money unless you make money nobody else will do that they want all the money up front and if you're successful or not they don't care that sounds amazing thank you so much tom for your time and thank you for sharing i mean i can tell that your life is so colorful i've had the comedian side the, oh definitely the sport playing side the yeah. business side we didn't even get into the some of the stuff i mean when you're not sitting in traffic making somebody else rich, you can live two or three lives. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Tom. My pleasure. If you got any value out of today's episode, please do me two massive favors. One, please share it with someone that you know would benefit from this information. And secondly, please leave us a review in your podcast listening app. 
This will help us grow the show and get bigger and bigger guests that will benefit you even more. Thank you so much for that. And I absolutely value your time. Thank you for spending time with us listening to the Reinventing Perspectives podcast. Thank you and see you again next week.